Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. A few months ago, we brought Pastor Paul Harris on staff with us. And um, I had asked him a few months ago to get ready to preach. And the day has come for him to preach. And I have to tell you, Paul, uh, already in a few months of being on staff, has been the greatest gift to our church. If you don't know him, you need to get to know he and Cindy. Yeah, you know him. And uh, Paul is hilarious and funny and just all the things. So I want you to give him a big, warm welcome as he comes to bring the word today. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Wow. Now I have this pressure to be funny. So like, first I just want to say, um, I'm not sure if I'm long-winded or short-winded. Like I haven't preached an official sermon for 33 years. Like, this is real. Like, I, pre- I talk about Jesus all the time, but to, like, take a week to, to put the sermon together, it has been a while. And the reason that I know this is I actually have video footage. But first, I want to say, um, here's, here's how it works for me. Like, I, I don't have any experience at being a pastor. Like, I got three months worth. So I don't know all the rules. So I'll probably break a lot of them today, right? Um, first of all, I'm going to ask for feedback. Like, I kind of like to hear you say amen, or you can boo. Like, I'll take it all. Like, I really will. And if you're online, you know, the little fire emojis, those are awesome. But I'll also take the mad faces. Like, I don't care. Like, I just want feedback. Um, I want to say hey to everybody in the family center. And I want to tell you all this, and this is absolutely the truth. I'm in love with you. I really am. Like, the Holy Spirit has given me a love for this body that I can't even explain. So, take that. All right, so I was talking about this video footage. So I, I came to this revelation that I hadn't really officially prepared a sermon for 33 years. Now, some of you guys aren't even 33 years old yet, right? Some of you are way over that. No offense. Um, me, one, me, one. But uh, anyway, but I was talking to Pastor Brandon about this video that I had. It was on VHS. For you kids, that's like a tape with, it actually, it's like tape on it. It's like, and you put it in a machine that's called a VCR. And, uh, but anyway, um, but I was talking to Pastor Brandon, who's our media pastor, and uh, he, I was telling him my grandma used to, you know, video cameras were kind of the thing when I was a kid. And when you finally had one, like you were just always videoing everything. And my grandma um, w- w- went, to, went to this little bitty church and my grandma was there and she always wanted to video everything. And so I'm going through some stuff and I find this OVHS tape from 1988. Anybody remember 1988. That was a good year, y'all. That was. I mean, I'm going to tell you something about 1988 later. But the thing is, it was January 31st of 1988. So I'm going to play just a little bit of the last official sermon uh, that I preached uh, for your, uh, hey, and also don't make fun of my Southern accent. Like, I really got a bad Southern accent in here. I'm from the Boot Hill of Missouri. My dad's from Mississippi. So when I was a kid, all I knew was a Southern accent. And then I moved up North and got made fun of and changed the way I talk. But when I preach or when I talk about Jesus, Jesus, sometimes I just go straight boot hill. So, um, so uh, get ready for that. But anyway, Pastor Brandon. Whatever you're trying to walk, like if you see someone walking on a tightrope, you know how they have pole bouncing? And if they lean one way too much, they're going to fall off. But if you walk, they walk straight with that balancing pole, they're going to get to the other side. It's just like Christian. When you're walking down the line, the Bible is your balancing pole. You lean one chance to way too much, you're going to fall off and sin. you got to walk straight down the line of Jesus with the Bible. We need you down the All right. Now that's what I'm talking about. The Bible is the balancing pole. 
You know what? I think that's good. It's been a, it's been a great time. I appreciate you. Love you guys. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay, so, so uh, Pastor Josh just asked me, you know, this, he's like, just tell your story. And I realized I put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, prepare this awesome sermon with zero experience, really. And then I come into work on Friday, and I'm like, I'm going to get this tight and right. And Pastor Josh is like, not too tight. And, uh, and he was right. He was right. And so I completely just redid it all. I mean, the same, it's the same sermon, but I, I gave myself some grace. So I want to tell you my story. What I realized is that we all have a story. And that story isn't just for you. It's for everyone that God puts in your path. My wife told me not to tell you this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't want to make you think that I'm manipulating you in any way. I am a crier. I get worked up when I think about Jesus. Like right now, I can't tell if I'm nervous or if it's Holy Ghost goosebumps. Like that's what my dad used to call them. I'm feeling a little bit of it right now. So anyway, um, so I'm thinking about my life. Like how did I get here? How did I become a pastor at a church that I've attended for almost 13 years, right? And so I started thinking back to my childhood. So I just want you to know that today we're just going to take a few minutes just to encourage you, right? Anybody need encouragement? Like, let's just be real. Another thing you're going to find out about me, I only have one gear and that's like vulnerable, right? That's just how I am. I say it like it is. You can judge me. You can not judge me. It doesn't really matter to me. I am me. And I want to encourage you to be you because what you have is uniquely you and we need it. We need it. So anyway, so I'm thinking about my life, like how did I get here? And something I'll tell you, um, right when I came on staff at Hope, the Holy Spirit said to me, everything, like he had told me a few things on the way here, but he said, just so you know, everything from the time that you were a kid to the low times of your life, to the highlights of your life, all of it was bringing you to this place. You were exactly where you're supposed to be. I got that word from people. I can't even tell you. He's been an encourager to me. You guys have been an encourager to me. So I want you to know that everything you've been through, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, he's making good of it. That's what he does. He makes good. He takes everything that's the intended, which was intended for evil and he makes good of it. So maybe right now you're in the low time, but I got to tell you that good's coming. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. So, you know, all my life I've kind of said that, I, when I meet people, I'm like, I'm kind of like Peter. I always feel like I identify with Peter, right? So I spent a lot of time just kind of getting to know Peter this week. Um, so I, got, I kind of lived in Matthew, the book of Matthew. And uh, I used to always say, I'm like Peter, I'm impulsive. I'm always cutting off ears and jumping out of boats, which is really the way I used to be. The Lord has helped me not to be so impulsive. But the reality is, is usually I'm just a runner. Like, I'm like, let's go. And so as I got to know Peter, um, I found out that I'm a lot like him in a lot of ways. And I think that maybe all of us are, actually. Um, but, but I will tell you that uh, something that the Lord, I feel like, told me a few years back. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and we were kind of like going on about how bad things were, right? I don't normally do that, but we just found ourselves in a place of just like, man, I'm in a bad place right now. Sometimes you find yourself in a bad place. Like, you're not getting along with your wife the way that you want to. Maybe you don't really love your job. We've all been there. That's just part of it. But what I found is that we began to encourage each other. I started feeling myself kind of getting excited about Jesus. Then my buddy started getting excited about Jesus. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And I already shed my blood. 
So testify. So the reality is, is that you have a story that needs to be told and others will overcome. He already shed his blood, right? Y'all got that part down. Let's tell people our story. All right. So I think that that's a, I'll go ahead. This is where I'm bad. So that, I think there's a scripture that goes with that. Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So if you need a scripture reference for sharing your testimony, there you go. So I'm going to kind of tell my story through uh, the lens of Peter, I think. I'm going to try. So I want to go to Matthew 16, 15 through 19. I'm just going to read that real quick, and then we're going to move on to, this, to, uh, to what the Lord has to say today. Matthew 16, 15 through 19. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So like I'm thinking about this moment, this guy's named Simon. He's seen Jesus do a work and Jesus is like, I feel like Jesus is like, he's talking to all the religious leaders of the day and nobody gets him. Like they don't know who he is. So he gets back with the guys and he's like, who do people say I am? And they're like, well, I think they think you're John the Baptist or Elijah or something. But, and he's like, well, who do you say I am? And then Peter, who's impulsive and speaks up and sometimes doesn't even think before he speaks, he says, well, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, you didn't even know that the Holy Spirit told you that. And you are now Peter. You are a rock. And then he gave him a view into his destiny. Right? So what I love is that Peter gets a full picture of who he's going to be. Jesus already sees it. This is like, um, this is chapter 14, right? 16, sorry, chapter 16. So he tells Peter who he is. Now, I'm going to tell you the story of me. I kind of broke my life down into, into quarters. I'm like, a, I don't know, I like doing that. So let's just talk about my childhood. How did I get here? So I grew up in a small town, Pentecostal church. Like I used to say backwoods, but then I realized my parents are going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, we didn't, it wasn't backwoods. But <laughs> so, so let's just say small town. It was small town. And I always like to make the joke, like I've seen it all. Like I've seen it all except for snakes. Like I've never seen anybody handling snakes, but as far as like backwoods, small town Pentecostal, like I've seen miracles. I've seen people like knocked out in the spirit. I've seen all kinds of stuff. I've seen harsh change. I've seen prayers answered. I've seen it a lot of it. This is the, this is the culture I grew up in. I grew up in a culture where my parents, my dad was the pastor, but he also worked a full-time job. See, I'm a crier. He didn't get paid to preach. He just did that because it was his calling. I, re- I grew up in a home where my dad would assign us scriptures to go to our room and write what we thought it was about. And then we'd come back so he could straighten us out. <laughs> That's just how I love you, dad. Uh, um, so I grew up in a world where I was always told that I was going to be a preacher prophets would come to town. You know, whenever you go to a small town Pentecostal church, there's always a prophet rolling through. There's always an evangelist. No offense. It's just how it is. Uh, um, There's always an evangelist that's ready to preach, right? But every time, every time 
there was this word, you're going to be a preacher. Just like Jesus said to Peter, you're, you're going to be a rock. That's not, I'm not even thinking about your future right now. I'm telling you that you're going to be a rock. You're going to be a preacher. So, you know, surely just before this video, just before that's, I'm 14 years old in that video, right? Just that's a January of 88. So just, just before that video, like five months, we had moved. My dad got hurt. He worked at a factory. He got hurt. Um, and we had to move because he was doing some rehabilitation. So we moved up north. And that's why I made the comment that I had to change my southern accent. Because when you move up north, like, that is very noticeable. Like, when I was down there, you know, when you have a southern accent and you're surrounded by southern accents, nobody knows that you have a southern accent, in- including you. But I can assure you that when you get out of that culture, everybody will tell you. And so anyway, we moved away. My dad gets hurt. And we left that church. We left that area. And I'm only telling you this, not to bring shame to anyone, but to tell you that he's always working for the good. When he tells you who you are, he hasn't changed his mind. You are who he says you are. Whether you feel like it or not, you are who he says you are. So, um, so I'm, as, I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about Jeremiah 1.5. You guys have all heard this, but I want to encourage you with this right now. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Guys, you're appointed. Like he's got a work that you're uniquely designed to do. Believe it, because it is. Jeremiah 29.11 for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. I just love it because when I think about this in the context of Peter, like Peter, he doesn't know what Jesus is saying. He doesn't know, he doesn't realize that Jesus is like laying down his purpose. Like he's not just saying, oh, you're a rock, good job believing in me. He's telling him who he's going to be from, king, from the kingdom's perspective. And so in my life as a kid, I didn't realize I was being told who I was going to be from the kingdom's perspective. I just thought, oh yeah, of course I'm going to be a preacher because my dad's a preacher. My grandma's a media pastor. You know, the reality is, is that Jesus is trying to tell me who I am, but I'm not fully hearing that yet, right? I don't get it. I don't see the future. I can't see myself through heaven's eyes yet. So then at 14 to 28, Let's just talk about that block of my life. Like, and we're telling the story of how I got here. So for, I would call those the lost years. How many of y'all feel like maybe you had some lost years? It's okay. It's okay. Like he uses those lost years. They're lost for you. They're not lost to him. I can assure you of that. Like he's not wasting anything. So we move away from this small town church, it's all I've ever known for 14 years of my life. We move away. We go north. I say north. It's really just north of Columbia, Missouri, Centralia. What's up to my in-laws? Um, I like to talk to the camera. That's another thing I don't think you're supposed to do, really. Um, but anyway, uh, so, we, so we, move, we move up north. And guys, like this is not about shame. This is just my story, right? Sometimes you got to be okay telling the hard parts. Because guess what? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So we move up there and less than a year later, my parents are divorced. And really, 
you know, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about this, but that really was, it, obviously it's a mon- monumental moment, but you know, sometimes we can build monuments and turn them into altars. I'm not trying to turn that monument into an altar. It's not a place for me to go and celebrate, but it's a place for me to remember what the Lord has done, right? And so anyway, at 14, my parents get divorced. And, and really, all I ever knew was my family. All I ever knew was the church. And guys, I got to tell you, like, I went wild. I went to a movie theater. Like, I'd never been to a movie theater. It was against my religion. I listened to Chicago, like the band Chicago. No. By the way, like Chicago Live at Carnegie Hall for all you musicians, I'm just telling you right now, that album. Um, anyway, I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, so now I didn't get too crazy. But the thing is, all of a sudden, I was like, wait, the, like the veil opened up. I'm like, wait a minute. Things are different than I thought. Not good, not bad, just different. My life started changing. But you know what's crazy is like this, this should have been like a terrible moment in my life. My parents are divorcing. My world is ripped apart. But how many times have you had something terrible happen, but then God's like, oh, wait a minute, but let me help you out here. I'm going to insert that one person in your life. I'm going to insert that one person. So at 14, my parents get divorced. And at 14, I meet the woman that I'm married to today. At the same time, this all happens at the same time. Now, my wife has given me uh, instructions. Do not talk about her from up here. So I've already done that more than I should have. So anyway, so I meet Cindy because she lives in Centralia. How many of you know that I moved away from what I knew to a place and lost everything I, I knew, but the Lord already knew my future. So he had my wife waiting on me in a town that was six hours away from where I grew up. He makes it good. It's what he does. I want you to kind of think through this. Like, while I'm telling my story, I want you to start thinking about your story. Maybe the things that you've been ashamed to talk about. I'm going to tell you some stuff that maybe I'm ashamed to talk about, but the reality is you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So this season of my life, this, the lost years, if you will, you know, I get out of high school, I move to Springfield, I start college, I don't really finish college, I don't know what I want to do. I kind of forgotten what the Lord said about me, right? So, but I kind of remember because I started going to college and I'm going to get a degree in religious studies and I'm going to go to seminary. I don't really know why though. I never really connected it, but then I didn't do that. I never did that. I I didn't finish that degree. I did finish my degree later, but it really had nothing to do with this. And so as I'm thinking about Peter, I'm reading his story and I get to Matthew 26, 40 through 41. And it says, he came to the disciples. This is when Jesus has went to the garden. He's praying right before he gives up his will. Like Jesus going to the garden. He's like, let this cup pass. I don't want to do it. But then he went a little further and he's like, not my will, but your will be done. How many, how many of y'all know sometimes we need to go a little further and give up our will? That's something the Lord taught me. That has nothing to do with this sermon though. It's just a little, a little extra tidbit for you. Uh, so anyway, he's in the garden and he's like, just stay here for a minute. He's bringing his closest people with him. He's like, stay here for a minute and pray for me while I go a little deeper. So then he comes back and says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for one hour? I can just think, I can just imagine Jesus like, really? Like I, like, he's like 12 verses ago, I called you a rock and now you're sleeping. But that's not what Jesus did. He just said, watch and pray that you may may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that real? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So 
So I found myself in a moment in my life where I probably was sleeping. Like I knew Jesus was out there praying for me. I knew Jesus was doing his thing, but I was probably sleeping. And so then I read a little bit further in this chapter and I found a verse that's really stood out to me and it's really challenged me. And it's, it's uh, verses 57 through 58. Then this is whenever they come to get him. They come to arrest Jesus in the garden and the disciples are there. And uh, it says, then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, when the scribes and the elders had gathered and Peter was following him from a distance. As far as the courtyard of the high priest and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. So this stood out to me because, you know, Jesus gets arrested and the disciples flee. But Peter followed from a distance. And I thought at this time in my life and I was like, wow, how many times have I just followed him from a distance? How many times have I been in a place where, yeah, I know, you, I know who you are, but I'm, I'm not really in deep relationship with you right now. This was the season of my life. This was the season of my life. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about, I moved back to the boot hill, right? I'm 26 years old. I'm not married yet. Um, Cindy wasn't really sure, you know, because I was in my lost years. And so I moved down to be with my grandma again. I start going to the same church that I grew up in. Um, my dad's not there, but my grandma's still there. And, uh, and I rem- I'll never forget, like, really feeling like I was starting to pursue him, following him a little bit closer. And one of those prophets came through, right? Again, no condemnation. I love everybody. But somebody came through, and they gave me some words. How many of y'all know there's a difference between getting words and getting a word, right? In the same building that I'd gotten a word in, the enemy came and gave me some words that brought me shame. It broke me because of some words. So people say sticks and stones will break your bones and words will never hurt you. I'll take the sticks and stones, right? If you want to beat me up, just go ahead and take a stick to me because words can ruin you. Remember that, that life and death is in the power of your tongue. Like what you say actually matters. I learned that the hard way. So I get crushed by these words. She basically starts telling me all this stuff about me. And actually what's crazy is that it was the stuff that she was saying was true. But how she was saying it wasn't truth. And I was like, it brought shame. How, you, how many of you know the Holy Spirit ain't bringing shame. He ain't bringing shame. If you feel shame, it's not the Holy Spirit. So you can tell it to get on in Jesus name. So anyway, so I moved back to Springfield after like a year. Um, sadly, my grandma passed away within that year. Um, really the matriarch of our family, you know, she's the one that brought all of us to Jesus. My mom, my dad, all of us, like we're all here because of my grandma Harris. So we go back to Springfield and I start getting jobs. I'm doing this and that. And, uh, and I wasn't really following him closely. I was going to church every once in a while. You know, I wasn't married yet, but then, um, but everywhere I worked, they would call me pastor Paul, which is the craziest thing. Like people that live in the world saw my identity. They're healing me. People that don't even really believe are healing me with a word where I'd been hurt by words of somebody in the church right? But the Holy Spirit, he, he'll hunt you down. Like he'll, the Holy Spirit will hunt you down. And so I'm working in Barnes and Noble. I'm working at the Olive Garden. I'm doing my thing. And the Holy Ghost is like calling me Pastor Paul. 
calling me Preacher Paul. He's reminding me of my identity. So then 28 through 34, like that's the spot that we're at. I've got 10 minutes to really bring this thing together. So 28 to 34, I know you guys are having a hard time believing that I'm this old. So 28 to 34, this is really like my walking on water moment, right? I mean, if I'm trying to connect myself to Peter like this, I've been praying, God, make Cindy my wife. God, what's my purpose? What's my identity? And so at 28, she says yes. 14, I was 14 years old when I met her, 28 when I married her. Matthew 14, 26 through 31, actually through 29 right now, sorry. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. That's what he's saying to you right now. Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. He's doing a work. And Peter answered, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Guys, at this moment in my life, I was walking on water. Like if I had a theme music playing right now for every season of my life, we'd be playing walking on sunshine. Like that's what we'd be playing right now. Cause I was like really riding high. Like I was in a worship band traveling around. I was serving at my church every service. I was doing the stuff I thought right? But I realized in that moment, now that I look back, I was serving myself. I was serving my pride. Um, I wasn't serving Jesus. And then I get to verse 30. But when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That sounds like Jesus to me. Like he's always like, really, Paul? Really? That's how he talks to me. Um, It is. He's just like, oh, and he says that a lot too, by the way. Um, but, uh, But the thing is, in this moment, I saw myself. I was riding high. I was walking on water. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm doing my thing. I'm like, like I said, I'm in a worship band. We're traveling. We're leading worship. I'm, I'm playing drums at church. I'm leading worship for the youth. I mean, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. It was all about what I was doing because I took my eyes off Jesus and I started sinking. And in that moment, right in that moment, when I thought all was good and I was walking on water, I kind of started believing my own hype. Like I thought I was all that. Just the truth. It's just the truth. Y'all don't have to feel bad for me. At 34 years old, in the middle of walking on water, I thought, I took my eyes off Jesus and really about ruined everything for myself. Um, I found myself listening to people telling me how great I was. Uh, And then I found myself really not really focusing on my family. I'll tell you right now, I don't care what you're called to do. It starts at your home. It starts at your home. If it's not happening at your home, it ain't happening. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Come on. Maybe you should get up here and preach this, bro. That's good. That's good. So, so I found myself in a relationship with someone other than my wife. 
I'm not going to get into details of that because I want you to know that we just put a link for my book. You can buy my book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. You don't have to buy it though. I'd give it to you for, for real. But, but here's the thing. So, so, uh, so yes, there's a story. Everybody's got a story. You know, I hear, I hear preachers say this and this is a reality. You got a book in you. Let me just say that right now. You got a book in you, your story. Why don't you write your testimony down? Do it. So I took my eyes off Jesus and I fell. I fell hard. You know something the Lord reminded me in that moment? I was praying. I was like, God, how am I going to get through this? Like, you know, imagine being somebody that everybody knows and something like that happens. Trust me, the people that didn't know, find out. That's just the way it works. I was like, God, what am I going to do? And he said, he quoted the Bible to me. And he said, you're going to receive mercy because you've been merciful. And I did. I did. People were good to me. People prayed for me. My wife has been the strength really in every part of this story. I was writing this down and I'm like, oh my gosh, she doesn't want me to talk about her, but she's in every chapter. She's in every chapter. But but Jesus will send those people. He'll put those people in your life that are in every chapter. And you're like, wait a minute, there's that person that's encouraging me. There's that person that saved me. I was completely deconstructed. How many people have been deconstructed? Like, do you know what that feels like? Like all your parts and pieces everywhere else. Just like Peter, I denied Jesus. Not with my words, really, but with my actions. And this is where the music changes to like, if I could write the most hopeful orchestra piece, this would be like, just feel that part in the movie when it changes and everything's like, oh, everything's great now. That's how it sounds. I didn't know that was in me. That's awesome. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would call these, I'm going to call these the hope years, right? 34 to 47. I'm 47. I know. I know I look 52, but I'm 47. It's all good. Um, so what's crazy is that he denies Jesus. <laughs> he denies Jesus and then he disappears. How many of y'all know shame will make you disappear? But that's not, what your, that's not your story. That's not your story. So I'm just going to say, if you got shame, tell it to go on. Tell it to go on in Jesus' name. Shame's got no place here. So I could have wallowed in my shame, guys. But he said, no, you're a preacher. I already said it about you. You know what's crazy to me is that Peter was called the rock before he sunk. He was called the rock before he followed him from a distance. He was, he was called a rock before he denied him. He knew who he was. He didn't care what he was going to do because you are who he says you are. So hope for me has been a story of restoration. Like we came to hope. I'll never forget where I was sitting. We were on the back row right over there. First service 13 years ago in December. I hadn't even fully fallen yet. Right? Like it, God rescued me from a place, got me here so I could heal once I went through what I went through, right? Hope has been a place of healing for me. I'll never forget the first sermon preached after Cindy and I went through what we went through. And I can tell you where I was sitting there. I was sitting right here, second row, right here. Pastor Gary went, he went straight to Galatians 6.1. This is the Sunday after Cindy and I talked about what had been going on. He says, brothers, if anyone is you caught in a transgression, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. In a moment where I was about to give up because of my shame, he said, not today. Not today. He brought me to a place of hope so my family could be restored. My son wasn't even one yet when we came here. Now he's 13. This has been a place for me of healing, hiding, restoration. We got involved together. My wife and I tried to serve together. I wasn't going to serve on my own anymore because I found how that sometimes when you get on your own, the, the devil likes to divide and conquer, right? So if you feel yourself out there on your own, find somebody. That person's already out there. I did find out that I'm not called to be a first grade teacher because we serve together teaching first grade. Not today. Not today. (laughs) But he had a place for me here. So we're here nine years. We've been here for almost 13, but at the time, nine years, I decide, you know what? I'm the problem. I haven't gotten involved. I can complain about everything that we should be doing. I was like, oh, maybe we should go to a different church. They don't do this this way. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, they ain't the problem. Like, you're the problem. Like, that's all you. There's a little secret. The Holy Spirit's always talking. It's up to you to listen, right? Sometimes he says things we don't want to hear. Trust me. He tells me lots of stuff I don't want to hear. But the reality is Jesus only did what he heard the Father say. What if we lived in a world where believers only did what they heard the father say? They only said what they heard the father say. What if? Like a, I don't do that. Ask my family. I want to. So then Peter, I love it in John because in John, this is like an extra chapter you get. It's like the extended version, if you will, where Jesus has already appeared to the people. Three times he's appeared but Peter's back at the boat. He knows that Jesus has risen. He knows that Jesus said he's the rock, but I'm not sure he was fully convinced yet. So he goes back to the place that Jesus had called him from. 26 chapters before, 22, something like that. Jesus says, come follow me while he's at the water fishing. Jesus raises from the dead and Peter, he's still probably a little bit consumed by his shame. What I love is in Mark 16, 6, whenever Jesus is written in the Mary. So the the title of this, by the way, when you're preaching, I think you're supposed to have a title. So I'm going to tell you what it is now. So it's like, who do you say that I am? The story of Peter, Paul, and you. Unless your name is Mary, then it can be the story of Peter, Paul, and Mary. That would be awesome. So the Marys insert into the, here's where the Marys show up. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was distraction. Um, Not today. All right, so. When the Marys show up at the tomb, he says to them, do not be alarmed. I don't know why I always yell when Jesus is talking. I feel like it's like really powerful. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus. Oh, this isn't even Jesus. I'm getting it all mixed up. So the angel says, do not be, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who's been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Isn't that good news? Like, that's the good news. We can stop right there. But what I love about this is in in Mark, he says, see the place where they laid him? Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because Peter wasn't sure anymore. His shame made him think 
he lost his chance. His shame made him think, maybe I'm not the rock. That's Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) This is getting out of hand. So, (laughs) maybe, maybe I should just go back to the boat. So I want to encourage you, let's just stand up. I think my time's up anyway. Let's just stand up for a minute. I want you to remember your story. He gave it to you. The good, the bad. He didn't give you the shame though. So if you're carrying shame, let's just right now, let's just take a moment. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and remove any shame so we can be exactly who you say we are. Exactly who you say you are. You showed up at that boat that Peter went back to because of his shame. He was embarrassed. The angel's like, go tell the disciples and Peter, just so he knows. I have forgot about you. I haven't forgot about you. He has not forgot about what he said and who he said you are. Maybe you have, but it doesn't change anything. If I was to have three points, I think you're supposed to have points in a sermon. I'm doing this all backwards. Number one is that Jesus sees you through the eyes of heaven's purpose. He doesn't see your mistakes. Like he sees who you are before the mistakes. He died for your sins while you were a sinner. He actually died for our sins before we committed them. I know, like that's, that's the mind blown thing, right? He did it anyway. Your mistakes don't change the way he sees you. That's number two. He already knew. He already knew. You have everything you need. This is number three. You have everything that you need to overcome and help others overcome. So maybe you feel like that's not my story anymore. Maybe you feel like, Paul, you don't even know. You don't even know. I didn't tell y'all the whole story about me. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. It's just life. He knows who you are. He already said it. He knew you before you were born. He already said it. We read it. So I want to encourage you that when you go out this week, step on the shame on your way to becoming exactly who he says you are. Thank you. God bless you. We're just going to pray for each other. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, as we leave this room, we ask that this shame would be broken, destroyed off of our lives, and that there would be a full new place of honesty with you, of walking with you, and hearing your voice. I thank you that this week is going to be a week where we walk into new places, and wherever we go, we carry you, the story you've given us, and we're going to release it out there beyond these walls, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. Have an amazing afternoon today.